people. I'm not going back and forth with a man who thinks that they should be in my position. If you want to be in my position, get in my position. Do you believe in that? Bluff City Media presents The Anthony Sane Show on YouTube at Bluff City Media. Stepping up to the microphone is your host, Anthony Sane. Acknowledge me. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Anthony Sane Show. This is your host, Anthony Sane, here, of course, live from the Bluff City Media Studios, live in a remote location somewhere in Memphis. Kenny Stubblefield behind the glass. What's going on, my we're, brother? We're somewhere in Memphis. Man, ain't none of your business. Ain't you. none of your business. Might be later with your woman. <laughs> oh, nah. No. But no, Kenny Stubblefield. I'm sitting next to Parrot Sharky. He's a good looking man, but he ain't nobody's, ain't nobody's wife. But nope. yeah. My man, Parrot Sharky in the building, mic'd up. What's good? What's good? Man, you Y'all got it, bro. Out, man. Man, you good, man? What's yes, sir. Good. What's good, man? Well, we in this joint, man. Now we have two unfaced voices uh, for your uh, your viewing pleasure uh, and your listening pleasure. Shout out to, uh, I want to give a special shout out to the people who listen to this show audio only on podcasts, whether that's uh, uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or however you listen to us. We kind of, like, we go on YouTube and we see these many people are, are, are watching, they're commenting, all those type of things, but there are a ton of people Dare I say, probably more people that listen oh, to audio podcast than, um, than watch us on YouTube. And for those of you who like to see my face, I appreciate it. I appreciate all of you all who want to look at this handsome mug. You are a damn good looking man. I appreciate that, bro. For real. No pause necessary. No pause necessary. I appreciate it. Uh, someone told me they like how I coordinate on TV. Uh, I don't have many clothes, so I try to get clothes that I can match with <laughs> stuff. So <laughs> it's not really super intentional, but uh, I do appreciate that. I just uh, and I get people who may DM me like a certain part from the seg- a certain segment of the show or a certain joke or a, per- a certain point. That type of stuff is appreciated, man. I appreciate you guys for sure uh, tuning in and supporting and us making us a part of your everyday and your weekly routines. Uh, thank you guys for sure. Uh, got a great show planned today. Uh, got. Two gentlemen from United Way of the Mid-South, uh, the Chief Digital and Operations Officer Jarvis Harris and the uh, CEO and President, uh, Dr. Kenneth Robinson, will be joining us to talk about the United Way of the Mid-South, celebrating their 100th year this year, uh, talk about some new strategies they have, new things they're trying to uh, innovate going forward. Super excited to have those gentlemen on. They also pay me. I do work for the United Way of the Mid-South. I, I hear a lot about how I work for nonprofits and I work with young people, all those type of things. But uh, that's the actual job I call uh, my my own, uh, United, United Way to Mid-South. Those two gentlemen are going to come out and talk about some of the things we do and just really excited to have those guys on the show today. Of course, we're going to do the three-pointer. Uh, going to talk about things that happened uh, since the last time we had one of these shows. Colorado, of course, had a big win over the weekend. We'll talk about that. Talk about the aftermath, uh, some of the injuries that went down. Uh, and what the future looks like for Colorado, possibly. We're going to talk about the Tigers beating Navy uh, since the last time we had a show, and they're getting ready to head to St. Louis to take on Missouri. Battle of the undefeated. Both teams are 3-0. and And finally, uh, speaking of handsome faces, Kelly Oubre. <laughs> <laughs> no pause. Uh, Kelly Oubre uh, signing a one-year deal uh, with the 76ers. Um, tired of looking at Kelly Oubre's face. Every article about unsigned free agents. Leads with with the ever handsome Kelly Oubre, and I'm tired of looking at that brother. Yeah, I didn't think that was big news. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> like, tired. Of, I'm just, I, I I'm just personally excited. I don't have to look at Kelly Oubre's face anymore. <laughs> Anthony was rejoicing in the Discord. <laughs> like, bro, like, I had to see this dude this? one more time. Like every day, like top top free agent still available. Kelly Oubre. Like what? Like, I'm sick of looking at this dude's face, man. But yeah, <laughs> but Kelly Oubre signed a one year deal. We'll talk about that in the three pointer uh, as well. It's inside the same brain. Going to talk about two. 
uh, uh, not films, one film and one documentary that I watched over the weekend. Kenny Stubblefield, I think you watched uh, those documentaries, those productions as well. We'll Ooh. talk about that inside the same brain. But uh, since the last time we talked, ladies and gentlemen, uh, arena fund location uh, allocation came up again. Uh, I'm trying to make this short and sweet. Just letting y'all know that the plot is thickening in this area. Um, Oracle came out over the weekend from our good friends at the Commercial Appeal, uh, basically letting you know that there, had, there was a proposal that was put out um, from the city that involved both sides, uh, all sides of this whole structure, with the main two uh, sides being, of course, the Memphis Grizzlies organization and the University of Memphis. Um, and it said that, I'm not going to get into a lot of details, but I think it's like $500,000 being allocated to the Grizzlies, and I think two fifty five hundred. I said, what I said? $1,000? No, $500 million or so uh, for the Grizzlies and like two fifty for the Tigers, if I'm not mistaken. And when I say for the Tigers, that's for the Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium. Of course, we're not going to – because the basketball team plays in the FedEx Forum, so, you know, so basically two fifty for the football program uh, to fix the Liberty Bowl, to make the changes need to be made there. Um, a lot of people started getting excited. A lot of fans started like, hey, it's time to start walking in harmony again. Everything's good. And I'm like, uh, this feels kind of weird. I'm just going to wait until Monday. I'm going to wait until the Jeff Calkins of the world <laughs> read this article <laughs> and see what Jeff has to say. So uh, Jeff, of course, read the article, uh, gave him a shout-out. Um, I was going to get some, uh, get some services done in my car. Had to get a tire fixed yesterday. And I'm listening to Jeff. I'm not really listening to Jeff because I'm trying to talk to my man you know, at the tire shop, whatever. So I'm listening to Jeff. He said something about, you know, not so fast. This is clearly an article that was uh, pushed out by. But the University of Memphis clearly leaked this article out, and it was an attempt to make the Grizzlies look bad. I'm like, oh, my God. And once I looked at it, I'm like, yeah, that is kind of what this looks like. It looks like that this is one of many proposals that probably have came out, and it's requiring the, the Grizzlies to pay uh, $50 million uh, from taxes and fees that are added to their ticket prices. So basically the city is saying, Grizzlies, why don't you charge fans more so we can take that money to build or build you guys' arena? And uh, the Grizzlies like, okay, we can just do that anyway. It can just go to us. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, like you know, you know, we would love to charge more and we can just keep the money. And, you know, that type of – it leads to that type of conversation. Um, and here's here's what I'll leave with on this. The fact that we hear about this proposal – and not a this proposal has been accepted type story makes you think that the Grizzlies ain't hearing this. Like that this, it seems like this was a good idea to them that you'll be hearing a story about, hey, deal's done. But it, I do agree with Jeff. It does look like this is something that the Tigers said, hey, this is on the table. Why won't why won't the Grizzlies take this deal? And I don't know, man. I I don't, I don't like how this is all looking. I think it's going to get kind of nasty by the time it's all said and done. Oh, I think we're well past that yeah, point. Yeah, I think a lot of the particulars in this I don't really understand. But, um, yeah. So, how how much is the total amount again? I thought it ain't in the 600s. 600 See, that's something. what I was confused about, too. Because it was like, the first day it was like the state is only giving us 350 Right, right. But the thing is, if I'm not mistaken, this plan lays out, okay, yeah, the 350 is included. But we also have a plan to get money for both sides, regardless of what the state gave us, by creating our own funds from different taxes. And then I think that Jeff says something about the whole hotel tax thing they're talking about. 
It's something that the state has already shut down. Like they've already said that's not happening. But it has to go to vote again. But he says he doesn't see why it would get approved this time. I don't know. It just seems super ugly. Um, I don't know, man. The University of Memphis has kind of been kind of known for kind of dropping balls when it comes down to funding or being proactive about things. They got a new administration in. And I know that they're not responsible for previous people's mistakes. But I just think this is an odd fight to try to fight against the Grizzlies. Well, they have a reason for it, and I'm not excusing anything. Their own survival. Their yeah. their survival. But yeah. number two is they have a hard date that they need to start yeah. renovations. Yeah. yeah, I heard about that too. On the Liber- on the Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. Right. Like, I think it's in October. I don't know the exact date, but there's a hard date that they need to start mm-hmm. renovations so that they can have it done by the planned tw- 25 right. season. So. That's why I think you're seeing a lot of of pressure from the University of Memphis. Yeah. It's it's looking ugly, man. The shit getting real for sure. I don't think here's another thing I'll say too that I think a lot of people are kind of missing. When you say the Grizzlies, the person who's in these negotiations fighting for the Memphis Grizzlies is a I think native Memphis. I know he's from Memphis. I don't know if he was born and raised here, but Jason Wexler is president president of what's it, Hoops. LLC or whatever it's called. Yeah. Like, that's him. He's a Memphian. The, the, when you say Memphis Grizzlies, you're talking about Jason Wexler. So I think he's going to try to do things in the benefit of the city. He does have a job, which is for the Memphis Grizzlies, yeah. of course. But um, I don't think any of this really is going to come down to whether the Grizzlies are here or not. I just think it's an odd business practice, an ugly business practice that's going down right now. And uh, Yeah, I want you kind of glossed over that, but I wanted to ask you. Yeah. What are your thoughts on – there's been a lot of, you know, oh, my gosh, the Grizzlies could leave. Yeah. You think that's a possibility? No, not at all. I, don't, I think that I was listening to Jeff Calkins this morning so I could try to sound educated on this. And Jeff was saying the Grizzlies have had plenty of opportunities if they just wanted to get up out of Memphis. There are plenty of things they could have done, uh, especially this last time when they, they had the shortfalls in the attendance. And they extended the lease then. And there's been, you know, plenty of reasons why they wanted to, you know, get rid of certain things. They've got plenty of reasons why if they, if they wanted to end their relationship with the University of Memphis, they could have. When they had those attendance shortfalls a few years ago, if it was that crucial, they could have, they could have, you know, found a way to part ways with them then. I don't think that that's their plan, but I do think they want this to be done the right way in their eyes. especially. And it's, it's hard to argue against what the Grizzlies are doing, regardless of what they do. When Oklahoma City just said, "Okay, we're about to pay eight fifty to build a new arena," Man. so it's kind of hard to to argue when you, when you have a another small market who's about to do something like that for sure. I've heard a they lot get of it, man. They know how important that franchise is to yeah. that city, and I think Memphis needs to do the same. I've heard a lot of questions about what five hundred million dollars would go to if eight fifty is building a new arena for Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. What is five hundred? I mean. Memphis, the, the FedEx Forum is ranked pretty high in terms of arenas in, mm. in the NBA. What is $500 million going to? I don't know. Yeah, like, when I go to the FedEx Forum, I, I don't see $500 million. I don't see $500 million worth of work as a fan, but... I can see what they could be doing. You got to remember, man, FedEx Forum just got flat screen TVs like a couple years ago. That's true. Like, <laughs> it's true. You got to keep that in mind, <laughs> man. It's true. And there's a lot of... I think one of the major things... I think it's going to look like a totally different arena. Once you walk inside of it, I don't know if you guys have been to the arena in Atlanta, where they went in, and I might be I might be wrong, but I think they're going to reduce a lot of the, the the cheaper seats and make more and ex- expand that lower bowl. I think that's something they're trying to do. That's basically starting all over again. 
Almost, man. It's almost, if you're doing that type of construction to a building, you're you're basically getting out and kind of starting over. Because I don't know if you, I don't know if you guys saw what they did in Atlanta, but that that facility is awesome um, for sure. That that seems like that's yeah. the standard that they're moving mm-hmm. towards. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Cause yeah, like you said, just look at the arena. Unless you like you saying gutting it out and actually like starting over in the inside. Yeah, you know? I think you're talking about a, a total inside. Yeah. Like it's gonna look like a totally different arena on the inside. That's what it feels like to me. But whatever it is, man, it's ugly right now, and I wish it wasn't as ugly as it's starting to look. Uh, when that article came out, I was like, yeah, people are reading this wrong. People are acting like this is something that's about to happen. This is strictly a proposal. This is something that's on the table. And like I said, the fact that it's sitting out there and not showing that this is something that's been approved, that's the part that lets you know that we still have possibly a ways to go, and this could get uglier over the coming weeks. Uh, as far as the arena fund allocation is concerned. About to take a break, man. When we come back, like I said, Dr. Kenneth Robinson, Jarvis Harris from United Way of the Mid-South are here talk about programs they have coming up and how the city of Memphis can be impacted by some of the great things they have going on over with United Way of the Mid-South. They'll be here for the sit-down with Sane. We'll be here with them in a minute when we come back on the Edge of the Sane I wonder if Silverfield's time in the NFL is a reason for this, but it feels like a much more NFL style 100%. to do that as opposed to yeah. what you see a lot in college is just keep doing your thing, keep putting up points. I think style points really only matter if your job is on the line or you are playing a ranked opponent. I think that's really the only Or time. you're at a place like Memphis where you have like you don't have a huge core fan base. That may not be the case at all college football programs. Yeah. But definitely in Memphis, where you have, what, a core of 25,000-ish fans that are fans, and then you've got to bring in 10, 15 casual that are, you know, their number one team is somewhere else. But if you're exciting and fun, they're going to come to a Thursday night game against Navy when their team's not playing. But I think you also get that if you just win. Tune in to Tigers Untapped with TJ Willis and Trey Lasley every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Bluff City Media and Bluff City NIL are proud partners of Coaching for Literacy, a Memphis nonprofit using the power of sports to impact childhood literacy. When you donate to Bluff City NIL through Coaching for Literacy, your gift is 100% tax deductible. This partnership is a win, win, win. Tiger student-athletes win in the NIL landscape. Coaching for Literacy wins by engaging Tiger student-athletes in this monumental cause. And most importantly, elementary students in Memphis receive support to become strong readers. To donate today, visit coachingforliteracy.org slash bluff hyphen city. Are they keeping it vanilla because they played two bad opponents or is it just a very basic offense? Like, Will there be any creativity to this offense this year? I think that in the past game, they they have the tendency to get creative. Like, yeah. that RPO to Toski is fun, like, wide open. I hate to be this guy. I'd go with the latter. I don't know if there's a lot of creativity in the run game. Yeah. Tim Cramsey hasn't shown it. It's inside zone, inside zone, inside zone, outside zone, inside zone. Inside. It's just consistently out of the shotgun, handing a running back and in between the tackles and saying go it's it's not working you have to switch things up 
and give the defense a different look. And I don't think that Tim Cramsey's shown any level of tendency to do that. And yeah, I do like the fact that they're throwing them the ball. They're giving yes. them the ball in space there. But as far as running the ball and the running schemes, they're just not they're just not getting them in space. They're just ramming up the middle. Tune into On the Bluff with Christian Fowler and Gabe Kuhn every Tuesday at 12 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. All right, y'all, welcome back to the Anthony Science Show. I have a very special guest today. Two gentlemen that are doing some amazing things here in the city of Memphis. You guys may be familiar with United Way, the United Way of the Mid-South. Long-time organization celebrating 100 years here in the Mid-South, Memphis area. But they're going to tell you more about what they do. I'm excited about these guys. I work with these gentlemen. For those of y'all who <laughs> wonder if I have a job outside of doing this show, I do. And uh, I work with these two uh, very extraordinary gentlemen who are doing some amazing things in the city. They're here to share some of those things with you. I have the chief digital and operations officer, Mr. Jarvis Harris, on the far end, and also the president and CEO of United Way of the Mid-South, Dr. Kenneth Robinson. Gentlemen, how y'all doing? How you doing? Glad man, to be with I'm you. Good, man, I'm good, man. I'm good to be employed out here, man. Glad, <laughs> glad to be enjoying the check. But uh, I, do, I do take a lot of pride in United Way of the Mid-South. It's an organization that I've worked for uh, part-time as far back as 2019. I started full-time uh, earlier this year. Um, just a great organization, man. It has just a total focus on families, helping people get from where they are from where they, to where they dream to be, man. Yes, and, sir. Uh, this, this isn't me kissing up to my bosses. This is genuine. <laughs> uh, like, it's it's just a no-nonsense organization that uh, I'm glad to be a part of. I'm glad you guys could come on to Anthony Sane's show to highlight some of the amazing things that are already happening and things that are, you know, hopefully coming very soon. And we're really just glad to have you at United Way of the Mid-South. Thank you, sir. I'm glad to be there. Glad to be there for sure. <laughs> but uh, tell everyone about uh, United Way of the Mid-South, for those, those who don't know, and some of the ser services that are offered through United Way of the Mid-South. Yeah, well, we really appreciate you. Uh, United Way is about people like you, people mm -hmm. that have stories, people that mm -hmm. are part of this community, people that have lives and families and children. We are 100 years old this year, but mm -hmm. we are not your grandparents' United Way. Right. What we really do is mobilize resources in mm -hmm. the community. That means uh, dollars, but it's also agency supports and services resources. And so what most people remember about United Way is that we are a public charitable foundation. We ask all the people in the public to give us their funds, mm -hmm. and we make grants to high-performing agencies. Mm -hmm. These are agencies that are doing serious work. And in the last few years, uh, they we are doing aligned grant making. So we uh, give grants to agencies and programs of services that are helping people move, yes, from where they are to where they dream to be. Mm -hmm. Socioeconomic mobility, people that are trying to get uh, out of the situations that they've been stuck in, people that are trying to advance. And the second thing we do, which we're going to talk about, is that we uh, mobilize agencies to come together in a network, a mm -hmm. broad, expansive network. Anthony, about 130 organizations right. that have just decided that if they work, here it is, in a united way, that if someone comes into the door, one of their agencies, uh, uh, we've now trained them and they've agreed to collaborate together. They will provide the service that they can do, but then they'll ask people, what else do you need? And so this network uh, is something that we've pulled together. It's collective action, collective impact, mm -hmm. 130 agencies providing over 200 services. Anthony, if you walk through any of those single doors, 
They can hook you up not only to what they yes, can sir. do for you, but they will help you get to the other supports and services in that vast network. You don't even have to start over telling your story. Right. We can put you into a database if you'd like. We can help pull your uh, needs together and provide all the supports and services. I mean, that is really working in a united way right. for individuals and families. We touched uh, about 280,000 lives last year. So it's a major, major thing, yeah. United Way of the Mid-South. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to be a part of it, like I said, uh, with the Driving the Dream Network. Like you said, over 130 organizations that are all trying to move the, the, the dream forward in the city of Memphis, give yeah, people hope. Yeah, and Those you know, it, we discovered that if you're really stuck in generational poverty, you mm -hmm. might have hopes and dreams and aspirations, but you got a lot of issues and a lot of mm -hmm. problems. Right. And no one previously has really tried to pull all those individual agencies that do great work right. on their own. But now they can say, you know, I'm part of driving the dream. Right. We're not just hoping that people's dreams come to fruition. We're not just uh, wishing. We're not just even praying for it. Mm -hmm. But at United Way, we are driving that. We are facilitating. Mm -hmm. We're opening the doors and helping people move and advance economically. And they tell us it's working. Right. You know. And um, United Way is a not-for-profit organization here Absolutely. in the Mid-South. What do you feel is the current and the future state even for not-for-profit organizations here? In the well, Minnesota? you know, I, I think it's a challenge. And the um, pandemic uh, was a huge stressor for nonprofits mm -hmm. and not-for-profit organizations. Uh, obviously, a lot of organizations had to close. They had to change what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And then during those three years or so, uh, the world changed. Right. Uh, donors had to pull back a little bit and make sure that they were taking care of their own family, their own children's employers, where we often get a lot of our donors uh, slowed down a little bit so they could take care of their uh, bottom line. Mm -hmm. And then the stressors, the needs for programs and services from those nonprofits actually went up. So uh, sort of matching the need with decreasing donations. Mm -hmm. And then uh, folks started thinking about what they wanted to do with their lives. You came to United Way right. of the Mid-South, mm -hmm. but a lot of people left their nonprofit jobs. Mm -hmm. They started looking around and searching and seeking. And, and so uh, salary stressors became hard for nonprofits. It's a tough time. I've, I've got a long experience working with uh, young people in the inner city. Uh, Kenny Stubblefield, our producer, he does. Yeah. Harry Sharkey, one of our associate producers, he does as well. That's definitely one of my passions. Uh, let people know some of the things that United Way has to offer for the younger generation who they may be products of a generational poverty home, but their needs may be different than their parents who have to pay bills and keep lights on, keep food in the refrigerator, all those type of things. What do you offer for young people that are in well, those households? I think one of the things you know very well, that young people mm -hmm. in households like that do better when their households do better. Yes, sir. So one of the things that helps uh, young people do better in school, and you know, I'm a major advocate for education, mm -hmm. because you might have hopes and dreams and aspirations, but if you don't have the credentials, if you can't put a couple of words together, if you can't uh, finish your degree, uh, then you're going to have a lot of uh, closed doors. And so, mm -hmm. uh, number one, I think we support a lot of organizations that work with young people after school, provide other resources for them, help point them and keep them going in the right direction. Oh, man, that's, that's critical today. Uh, but it is also about helping young people understand that their only dreams don't have to be of being a, an NBA player or an mm -hmm. NFL player. You help to broaden the horizon of their dreams, keep them involved, keep them uh, inspired, keep uh, 
introducing them to other things in life. Right. Now, you know all about that. I mean, you've mm -hmm. been around and, yeah. and you grew up in this community. But if <clears throat> young people don't have a focus of some, now I'm old. Uh, the other thing we try to do is to bring some other younger people right. uh, into the fold that they can uh, speak and relate and uh, meet uh, young people where they are. Lots of programs, lots of services, after-school uh, organizations, but really a major focus on uh, career building and on uh, aspirations and dreams that will last even past best-case scenario an NBA career or an NFL career. Yeah, I, I heard you mention about how you want to bring younger employees in, like myself, like guys like Jarvis uh, to your right, who I mentioned is the chief digital digital and operations officer for United Way. This question is for you, Jarvis. What do you think are some of the uh, struggles? Like, why is it a struggle you think in a lot of non not-for-profit organizations in Memphis to uh, – to utilize things like social media, technology, the the the, the future type of methods. How, what do you? Why do you feel like there's a disconnect there? Well, I think there's a disconnect because there is a gap. Mm -hmm. uh, so the things like Dr. Robinson said, I think a lot of our nonprofits are ran in a traditional way, mm -hmm. and because of those traditional means, it's not normal to reach out and say we're going to have a social media campaign. Mm -hmm. We're going to do mass media in a different way. We're used to radio and we're used to TV. But when we think about the Twitters, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, and mm. all these other things, I think there is an avenue for us to right, first right. evangelize about the work that nonprofits are doing. Mm. Right. So I think one of the things is if you say, hey, what is United Way of the Mid-South? We're on a campaign to brand the community about United Way. But a lot of nonprofits don't do that. So as we begin to brand the community about who we are, it's about being able to facilitate that information in multiple methods. Yeah. So I think it's, hey, not just radio, not just TV, not just a website, but it's through Instagram, it's through Twitter, it's through podcasts, it's through shows just like this. Mm -hmm. I think it's being able to say, hey, this is who we are, this is our mission, this is where we're going and what we're trying to do, and no better, what we're going to do mm -hmm. with your help. So I think the gap literally sits in the fact that people don't think innovatively. They don't think, so, okay, this has been working, let's keep it that way. But we're in a new medium yeah. where we have to change how we do stuff how we raise mm -hmm. funds, how we touch people, even like you talked about with the young people. Right. So they're going to be able to see, hey, there is another way to get there. There is another avenue. So seeing people like you and like me, mm -hmm. hearing the stories of where Dr. Robinson came from and what mm -hmm. he did, mm -hmm. being able to tie those things together right. and say, hey, there's a bridge to success that doesn't require shooting, dribbling, or drawing, or singing. Mm -hmm. It's something else. And right. it's, it starts with my mind, but we have to be able to let the world know that through different means. Right. So. It's just literally that, having somebody can say, hey, we're here, but we're going there. And United Way of the Mid-South, we're here, we're going there. And we're building innovation every single day right. to reach the masses of people. I've, uh, I've you, seen you. Go ahead. You just got to love this guy. Oh, I yeah, mean, but I mean, th this is why he's here. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, he can speak the language and then he can really do the thing right. and really mm -hmm. help us uh, move our own operations into a way that is appealing, uh, that can really reach the mm -hmm. masses. It's why we're here today with you, mm -hmm. Anthony. But um, we have uh, 28,000 uh, new uh, uh, touches on our, even on our website. And everybody mm -hmm. doesn't use the website anymore. Right. But if you drive traffic to the website, uh, if we have 9,000 new users over the last three months of right. our social media, if you drive traffic, and Jarvis has taught us that, you know, put something there that is of interest to people, meet them where they are, uh, have uh, some stories and uh, evolve uh, uh, how we mm -hmm. tell our story as a United Way. 
and make it accessible to people, then, you know, people at least will give you their attention Absolutely. for a moment. Mm. And it's not just uh, old granddaddies like me, right. you know, who, <laughs> who might look into the United Way of the Midtown. Well, uh, Jarvis, I've seen billboards throughout the city. I've seen at least two for Driving the Dream. Mm. I've also seen, I don't know if I'll put this out there yet, but I've seen these very cool kiosks sitting around the building that I've seen you tinkering with and fine-tuning, all those type of things. What's coming with that? program with the kiosk I've been seeing? Absolutely. I'm glad you asked that question. Right. I mean, and the kiosk, it's, it's the tip of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. And when I say the tip of the iceberg, everybody that's out there, you know what an iceberg is. It's it, You see this big thing at the top, but below, it's so much larger. Mm -hmm. And the kiosk is part of a larger play. Mm -hmm. As we think about digital, and I say digital transformation, mm. we've become a partner with the, the county, mm -hmm. the Shelby County government. And we're partnering to begin to move in a digital transformative way. So we're transforming how people access services. Okay. We want to give them an additional right, way. Right, right. The old way is still there. You can still call a number. You can still go to the office. But, hey, how do we reach more people? So mm -hmm. this kiosk is a means to give access to services. Mm -hmm. And we're partnering to drive those services, whether it's rent or utility assistance, veterans assistance, aging mm -hmm. commission, whatever it is. Or even better yet, there's a link to driving the dream that's going to give you access to all types of services. Mm -hmm. So what we're talking about, those kiosks, is another conduit for right. people to walk into a community center, a library, a grocery store, at your fingertips. Mm -hmm. So we want to bring the services to you instead of you trying to find the services. So that kiosk is the way, United Way, in partnership <laughs> with the government, to mm -hmm. say, hey, you know what? We're going to take the services to you. We're going to get people the help they need so we can change crime, so we can change the poverty rate, right. so we can do all the things that we've been talking about. we got an election coming up. A lot of candidates are talking about how they're going to change. We're on the ground working mm. to make the change at the root level, and that's by bringing the services. Did you hear what he said, though? We're yeah. on the ground. Yeah. We're not just sitting up in the big box, ringing the bell, and expecting people to come mm -hmm. in. Those kiosks mm -hmm. we're placing out in 28 different locations mm -hmm. out in the community yes, sir. where people are, where their traffic is already going, so that they can have access. And we talk about equitable access. You know, there was a time, you wouldn't believe this, of course, I'm being facetious, that mm -hmm. you know only certain people had access to the services that mm -hmm. they need. Yes, sir. But what we're trying to do at United Way is, to, to democratize this thing, mm -hmm. put it out there with the people, put the kiosks out in mm -hmm. the areas where they're already walking, and then give them the opportunity to have equitable access. You tell us what you need, and you uh, input uh, your areas of support and services that mm -hmm. uh, we can provide for you, and we'll work with you yep. to get you, here it is, from where you are, right? Right. To where you <laughs> dream to dream be. be. Y'all know what it is. But, yeah, yeah I, I, I think the kiosk thing is a really good idea because it's like a lot of people – Sure, you can go on the website, you can do those same things on the website, but you have to know about it. You have to right. know about what Driving the Dream is. You have to know about United Way's website. But I'm just out at Kroger and I see this kiosk, like, man, I really do need help. Yeah. I didn't even know this was available. You can be out in the library, wherever you are, and just fill this out, and, and you see the wealth of services that are available to you. I think that's one of the biggest problems in the city is that there are a lot of services out there. There are a lot of organizations who do amazing work. A lot of people just don't know about it. There's just that disconnect between the services and getting people connected to the help that they need. And I think that's going to be And, awesome. you know, in the traditional way, it costs a lot of money for nonprofits right. to advertise right, their right, services. Right, right, right. And so that's not what a whole lot of donors mm -hmm. pay you to do. So it's very difficult. There are over 5,000 nonprofits. There are a gazillion churches doing right. amazing mm -hmm. work out in the community. But if you don't just happen to bump into them, then you don't know mm -hmm. it. And that's one of the reasons that at United Way now we're building partnerships with the faith community, with right. other businesses, with healthcare. We want people to understand that we are here. 
But boy, yeah. putting the kiosk in the path of somebody right. is a great idea, and we yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, and I think even like you just talked about the kiosk and putting the path, as I talked about it being the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, United Way wants to be the tip of the spear. I'm sending a lot of tips. <laughs> we want to be the tip of the spear. We want to be that, that driving force to begin the insertion process. And once we're there, then we're able to spread and give access to other people and mm. other services and other, the faith community, other nonprofits. But I think the other part of that is, as we think about the kiosk, the kiosk is just one mode of delivery. Mm -hmm. So as we think about the kiosk was, 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 was round one or phase one, because the kiosk actually can expand to a mobile app. So mm -hmm. if you have an iPhone or Android, being able to download that app in the mm -hmm. store. It's that process. Then as we expand beyond that, as we talked about the social media triggers. Mm -hmm. So we have all these digital triggers that we're going to be able to expand upon, yeah. mm -hmm. but we're still doing the work. And the flip side of that, we're training our partners. As, as Dr. Robinson talked about, all these network access partners that we have, the people that we're working with on a regular basis. We're not just saying, hey, we want you to be a part of our network. We want you to give some services. We're doing things to empower those agencies. So mm -hmm. in other words, we're having trainings. We're having specific <laughs> things that right. we're facilitating toward them to get them ready. This has never <laughs> happened before in the yeah, nonprofit no, community. No. And, and by the way, we have the old-fashioned toll-free phone number that people can call, 844 <laughs> 444-4211. Yeah. Yes, and, you know, that does still work with people who have the cell phones as right. well. For sure. Uh, Dr. Robinson, you talked about the faith-based side. Uh, for those who don't know, you are a very long-time, very respected former pastor in the, in the city of Thank Memphis. Thank you, sir. You were, uh, I remember you being a beacon in the community I grew up in, in the South Memphis area, and I saw you transition from that role to this role with United Way of the Mid-South. Yeah. How much has your past being a pastor in the urban in, in the urban communities in in the inner city in you know a low income uh, area code I mean zip code that you were serving in how has that transferred over to you well, now being you, president? You know, it's been my lived experience. Mm -hmm. I, I've been a pastor for thirty three years, mm -hmm. so yes, I've been in the community. I know families. I know kids. I've walked among them. I've mm -hmm. been among them. I grew up in the church and an urban uh, African American community in Nashville, and I think. Uh, translating what I did there into what I'm doing here, not difficult. It's all about serving people, meeting their needs where they are, whether you, like I think you might have been a young man playing a little basketball in our gym <laughs> at one time. Probably so, yeah. Yeah, a couple of good lock-ins and stuff like that. There yeah, you go, have, going yep. to our lock-ins, uh -huh. you know, building relationships with young people, also right. tapping into uh, what their thoughts and hopes and dreams are but also providing not only high-quality after-school services, uh, providing a charter elementary school that we take kids who are failing in mainstream schools and make them superstars mm -hmm. academically. We build housing uh, for uh, families that never, ever thought they would be able to own their own house. High-quality multifamily housing, built a grocery store, right. you know, put sidewalks in. And so it's about personal development, family development, community development, and it's all about economic development, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're stuck, you're not going to advance. And by the way, if you're stuck, you're going to be uh, a challenge for the rest of the community and the people around you mm -hmm. because you do things that folks who are stuck do. Right. And so my whole life and ministry and career uh, has been about uh, helping people advance uh, socially, uh, uh, socioeconomically, uh, economically. And uh, and so, you know, one plus two means that you're making socioeconomic mm -hmm. advancement and you're you're going to be in, in a different place uh, at the end of the day than you were right. when I first met you. It's ministry. Right. It's, it's definitely crossover for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Jarvis, you, you played football here at uh, Fairleigh High School. 
You were uh, running back there. You played for the University of Memphis for 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 a little spell, a little season. <laughs> this is a sports show, of course. Um, where where is there an intersection where sports and reaching out to the community where they can intersect? So, I, I, so you are one hundred percent right. I, I will make one statement. So, I never really like fully did the <laughs> University of Memphis football. Thing, okay, you know? it, it, it was a part of. The heart burst, but actually running out on Liberty Memorial Stadium. <laughs> never happened. You know, that, that part never happened. But uh, like I said, I, I was a football player and I played football for many years. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that was ingrained in me. But I think you, when you think about the intersection between sports and, and nonprofits mm -hmm. and United Way, I think there is an avenue because as we talked about from driving the dream and the side of, hey, it's more to it than dribbling a ball or catching a pass. Mm -hmm. But there is a group that looks at that audience to say, that's my guidance. That's where I want to be. They look to them as role models. They mm -hmm. look to sports figures as the, the, the gold standard. Mm -hmm. So I think the first intersection point can be is being able to partner with sports agencies and sports mm -hmm. organizations and the players mm -hmm. to yeah. say, hey, how do you take your influence and your brand to impact young people, to impact the city, to right. raise funds, to do the good work? I, I know we talk a lot about the things that John Moran has going mm -hmm. on or the Grizzly starting five. And ideally, I'll say, I'm going to give you an outreach right now. Grizzly <laughs> starting five. Partner with United Well of the Mid-South. Yeah, we man. have a campaign yeah. for you where we can go out and change this community. And I think the intersection happens when athletes and teams start to use their influence to talk about changing communities, yeah. Yeah. changing neighborhoods. You know, I know the, the Tigers go out on Thanksgiving and feed the homeless. Mm -hmm. But how about feeding the homeless in October and September? And other times, using that influence to spread the wealth right. of not only the money, but the knowledge, the influence, and letting young people see, if Desmond Bain did it, I can do it yeah. too. He yeah. can't just flip a coin. He can serve people. And yeah. we understand that sports for a lot of kids is really the, the ticket. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. It's the ticket up. It's the ticket out. Um, unfortunately, and you know it, we all know mm -hmm. it very well, uh, even if you have the great fortune, the skill, the talent, the coaching to get out, uh, it doesn't last forever. And so um, uh, many young people have to understand they have to prepare themselves. Mm -hmm. It's about financial education, financial literacy. Uh, they have to understand that if they're going to be great and they're going to be able to use mm -hmm. the resources that they earn from being an athlete and their brand, even while they're in college now that they can mm -hmm. do that, uh, you want to be able to set it up apart for you, for your children, for your own family, but then you want to be able to give it mm -hmm. back to the community that gave you birth and supported you. And, and you know, um, you, you play NBA sports, it's uh, on the average of four and a half yeah. years right. uh, in the league. For the NFL, it's on the average of 3.3 years. Mm -hmm. And so there is a life, and what we want young people to understand is mm -hmm. that there are hopes and aspirations and dreams that right. live beyond their their sports careers, and we're grateful for athletes that are giving that message today. Yeah, I play, and yes, I'm supportive of the community too because we want everybody, all the boats to rise. We want uh, not only to have a few multimillionaires that are living in the community playing uh, professional sports, but we want the community around us also mm. uh, to be elevated and be uh, advanced economically. United Way does a lot like going out into the community. Like every, literally every event that's happened this year, United Way has posted up, spreading the word about the programs they offer, driving the dream, all those type of things. Whether it's Cooper Young Festival, the Southern Heritage Classic, we've been everywhere. Uh, the event that really gets me going 
is Trunk or Treat, which uh. coming up in, in, a, in a few weeks. October 21st, on a Saturday, we bring the community to us on that particular event. What stands out about that event, and what should people expect at uh, Trunk or Treat this year? Over a 1,000 families. Literally. That's what stands mm-hmm. out, because we understand that, uh, you know, traditionally people look forward to the Halloween festivities, mm-hmm. Trunk or Treat. But for our trunk or treat, not only do we have all the goodies, have all the food, have all the candy, but our corporate partners are out there with their yes. own trunks. Yes, and they're, offering they're, services. They're telling yep. some cool things about what they do. We've got engineers out there showing things that are really uh, wonderful mm-hmm. and exciting for kids to come by. We've got nonprofits introducing their services mm-hmm. to families. Health services. That's yeah. right, health services, social services. You can come mm-hmm. get vaccinated, by the way. Everybody ought to get vaccinated right. against the flu and everything else that's out there, including mm-hmm. COVID. We but we do that, but it's a touch point, Anthony. That's the nice thing yes. that we're not sitting in that that big uh, corporate building there just for um, you know show. We're mm-hmm. part of the community, and we're living in a community, frankly, that has a lot of needs and issues also. So for those families, those kids, last year uh, over a thousand for the last few years over a thousand people would come by and just feel the vibe. You know, our staff will be out there. You'll be out there. You'll mm-hmm. be grinning. You'll be shinning. You know, with, with my son, he'll be out there. Having yeah, a good time. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's partly building the relationship. That's why we're mm-hmm. out in the community on the Saturdays at the festivals and, mm-hmm. uh, and just being present. Uh, we're not asking anything of people unless you want to give us a donation the United <laughs> Way. But we're also presenting ourselves uh-huh. to the folks and uh, wanting to be uh, visible and present in that space. Everybody come October twenty one, right? Uh, right, got to be there for sure. I'm telling you, it's it's a blast, man. Like and I, it's safe. Yeah, it's safe. Very oh, safe. Yeah. We're, we're, we're gonna thank we're, you. So you can get out, and sometimes you want to take your children to an event and let them collect some candy. Right. As Dr. Robinson said, you can get the information that's can in empower you and help your family mm-hmm. while your children have fun, fun. while they're safe. Right. So we have security there. Right. We make sure every vendor's vetted. So it's not just you show up and hope for the best. You no, show up and you it's get incredible. the best. Yeah, You're going to get the best. There's uh, jobs doing job fairs and hiring people on the spot. There were people who came to get candy for the kids and had a job starting Monday. Like How it, about it, that, right? It was happening. Yeah, <laughs> it was happening right there on the spot for sure. Uh, of course, I have Jarvis Harris. And uh, Dr. Kenneth Robinson from United Way, did you gentlemen have any closing remarks? Make sure y'all let people know how they can get in touch with United Way's uh, services or if they want to donate to such a great organization. Yeah, I, I really appreciate uh, your having us. Mm-hmm. Uh, UWMidSouth.org, mm-hmm. UWMidSouth.org is our website. Lots of information there for people inclined. The toll-free number I will give because it's easy to remember, <laughs> even for me, Jarvis, <laughs> 844-444-444. 4211. If you need housing, education, child care, health care, if you're looking for counseling, you need a, a job training to mm-hmm. get in. Over 200 supports and yes, services. Sir. Call us there. And then uh, just lift us up. Uh, remember United Way of the Mid-South. Mm-hmm. Tell somebody about it. Introduce a family to it. Let's see how many thousands of people in the Mid-South we can help move yeah. from where we are and where they are to where they dream to be. Yeah, man, good stuff for sure. These My boss is here, Dr. <laughs> Kenneth Robinson. My man. And uh, Mr. Jarvis Harris of United Way of the Mid-South, man. Uh, great conversation with you guys. Like I said, I'm excited to be a part of everything that we do here with United Way. Things about to rev up. Uh, yeah, man, it's exciting times. Make sure y'all check out Trunk or Treat again, October 21st. 
I don't even know our address. I ain't gonna lie to y'all. I just go to work every day. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it's ten oh five. Tell me one zero zero five. Yeah, tell me. Yeah, I knew. Memphis, Tennessee three eight one one two. Right Pull up for Jackson Avenue. Right Pull up Jackson Avenue. And just to speak hood terms, if you know where you used to get food stamps at on Jackson, it's out on that end of Tell me. It ain't the other Tell me, but the other, that one, that Tell me, be on that end by Jackson and Tell me. But yeah, y'all come check it out for sure. Much love to these brothers, man. Jarvis Harris, Kenneth Robinson, United Way to Miss South. We're about to take a break. When we come back, it's a three-pointer here on the Anthony Sane Show. Thank you, brother. Bye-bye. Thank you. So Silverfield, in his immediate availability today, said... You guys are going to want to see something Thursday night. You guys are going to see something Thursday night you haven't seen from us before. We put in something last night that we've never done here. I want it to kind of be the wing T. I think that would be funny just to combat it. Like, <laughs> Personally, I don't think that's what it's going to be. I think they're going to go five wide, like five true wide receivers out there. Look, I just said I know. I want it if to that's spread what it, it is, out. I'm going to be so mad. You can't be throwing around some statement like this about nothing we've ever done before just because you're five wide without your tight end split out. How many times has he talked about? You're right. Hasn't he been has a tight probably end. There's always been a tight end. Do we think it has to be offensively though? No, but like, it, I don't know. I don't think you tease something like that if it's not if it's defensive. I know what it is. No, you don't. I do. No, you don't. We're announcing it. Got. I know you're kind of joking with the fans and everything, but it's time to stop being so humble. Y'all are suiting up on Thursday night. No, I would. That would definitely be something that they've left tackle, left tackle, have never seen before. TJ Willis. That would be a terrible idea. Tune in to Tigers Untapped with TJ Willis and Trey Lasley every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. I got a semi death threat one time. Cotton Bowl 2019. Over what? I have no idea. But this this dude was DMing me some. Horrific stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what could you have possibly said that would move somebody during the Cotton Bowl? To well, do that? I will say during the Cotton Bowl, and this is well documented. I've talked about this multiple times. I was enamored by Micah Parsons. Yeah, <laughs> and so Should like be. possibly seventy percent of my tweets revolved around Micah Parsons and how well, good he, he was. Wrecked the game. This so. Memphis fan was not cool about it, and I'm a, it like wasn't after the game. It was during the game, like in the. I remember I, I, being in the press That's one part box. of fandom that really does bother me. It's like. You can talk about good players on the other team. I don't know if it was actually death threats, but he was certainly threatening. He was mad to uh, to take action upon me. Keyboard he probably warriors. he probably didn't even have like a real name up there. It was no. probably a burner account. No. Or some yeah, sort. did not have an actual picture. You know how there. damn soft that is. That's soft. soft as shit. There you go. Soft as hell. It's good. Tune in to On the Bluff with Christian Fowler and Gabe Coon every Tuesday at 12 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Bluff City Media and Bluff City NIL are proud partners of Coaching for Literacy, a Memphis nonprofit using the power of sports to impact childhood literacy. When you donate to Bluff City NIL through Coaching for Literacy, your gift is 100% tax deductible. This partnership is a win, win, win. Tiger student athletes win in the NIL landscape. Coaching for Literacy wins by engaging Tiger student athletes in this monumental cause. And most importantly, Elementary students in Memphis receive support to become strong readers. To donate today, visit coachingforliteracy.org slash bluff hyphen city.
right, y'all, welcome back to the Anthony Sane Show. Great uh, segment with my bosses, uh, Dr. Kenneth Robinson and Jarvis Harris of United Way of the Mid-South. Man, I'm telling you, just from uh, being on the inside on a day-to-day basis, there are a lot of things that we're trying to do uh, at the United Way to just make the city a better place, man. Like, Dr. Robinson had me hollering back man, there, Man, I heard you back there, man. I'm glad you went mic'd up when, when, not when he was talking. Uh, Where you dream to be. Yeah, it's, it's just a lot of stuff, man. A lot of people in the city... Just lose hope, man. And so many, you know yeah. this, man. Just with the kids we used to work with, just generational issues uh, with with so many people in this community, man. And um, like I just thought, it was perfect timing. Uh, we we've been trying to get these guys in for a while to talk. And um, after the after the the rant I went on last show about right. how the city just needs needs to just kind of refocus, reset uh, on some things, man. But just to get those guys out today, perfect timing was with the things that are going on election. Going on early vote. You guys get out and vote as well, man. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. If you ask me, I'll tell you. Uh, no one is in the comments asking me, I don't think. But <laughs> just get out and vote, man. Exercise your right to get out and do that. That's something I've really been way more passionate about. Uh, older I get, as I did when I was. Like, everybody, when you first turn 18, you go, you get, you're ready to go vote, right? But then me, after that, I really didn't care much more about voting. Right. But now as an older uh, person, a citizen in this city, especially with this being the first year uh, without an incumbent mayor, but it's all a clean slate. There's going to be someone who's never been mayor before. Uh, more than likely. Oh, well, yeah, I'm sorry. Hopefully. I, I said that, well, <laughs> <laughs> I said that the wrong way. But th- there's there's not a returning mayor. Like, you know, Jim Strickland's not on the ticket. So yeah. there will be a new mayor. Possibly it could be uh, former Mayor Harrington as well. But, uh, yeah, if you want to vote against that happening, uh, vote uh, early vote, wherever you go early vote at, man, for sure. But uh, the three-pointer, where we talk about three things that are important to me, uh, let me put this out as a disclaimer to people who may wonder why I don't talk about certain things on this show. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of the NFL. I, I used to be at one time. I'll watch games. If you ask me who my team is, I'll say either one of two teams. I'm probably going to say the San Francisco 49ers. Mm. That's the team I grew up on as a kid. Jerry Rice is one of my favorite players. Steve Young, Montana, of course. Those guys were just you know heroes of mine, of course. Uh, when the Titans came here, uh, you know, I, of course, started – you know, kind of keeping up with that. They had a team that went on the Super Bowl run. Uh, Steve McNair, one of my favorite players of all time. Eddie George, it was wild seeing him on the sideline for TSU the last couple of years with Southern Harris Classic. So those are team, two teams I have some type of level of interest in. But I generally don't care about the NFL. Like, I don't really get excited one way or another. The 49ers are really good this year, but, you know, I really still don't. Really? Well, we have some care. We have some breaking news, Anthony. All right, come on. Paris Sharkey is the same way. He was a fan of a team, but after last week, he's no longer a fan of the NFL. <laughs> That's uh, and Tennessee Titans. Uh, <laughs> That's Cal. Tennessee Titans are his boys, all right? Yeah, we won. We won. What Sunday? Yeah, we back. He, he's we no back. longer a fan. We back. But yeah, I watch. I watch <laughs> NFL recreationally or whatever. But I don't really. I don't have any. It doesn't move me one way or another. Like I'm just sorry, man. And I'm not. I'm not going to act like the it the. Uh, the Colin Kaepernick stuff did something to me. The way that whole thing was handled, mm. and then during the pandemic, seeing some of these people's true colors, some of these owners' true colors, and and their opinion of different colors and all that type of stuff. Nah, man, I'm good. I like I don't particularly have to care about that stuff. So, yeah, you won't hear me talk about too much NFL stuff. You can I will. If you're a, if you're a Bluff City media fan, you can go to On the Bluff and yeah, listen to a lot of, of NFL shows. talk. Yeah, yeah there's plenty, plenty of NFL shows talk. for you. To go get that kind of stuff. So I apologize. You won't, because some guy uh, got hurt yesterday, and I don't have anything to say about it. Oh, it was a terrible uh, injury. Yeah, I, I, I saw it. I saw yeah. something about it, but I didn't see it when it happened. Or yeah, you, you don't want to see the injury. Nah, it's yeah. brutal. But, but prayers up for that brother. What's his name? 
Nick, Nick Chubb. Chubb. Yeah, and he had it's the same knee. He had the, uh, another injury on his same knee in college. Yeah. So it was a gruesome injury. So. Yeah, I watch. I'll watch. I'll get up on Sunday and I'll watch. Typically, it's Titans at twelve, 49ers at three. That happens a lot, so I'll watch that sometimes. But I really don't care. That, I'm it, in the same. I'm, I'm the same way as you are, yeah. Anthony. And it makes me weird, man. I, I mean, I know this is a big NFL market, but sorry, I don't care. But God bless you all. But the three pointer. <laughs> Tired up though. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you about you guys, coach. Uh, where we uh, part ways at, and all these cowboy fans and uh, Master Jerry. But anyway, um, so you got me stirred up, man. Uh-oh, I didn't even want to go there. Uh oh. It's a dude on Facebook, man. Like the three point. <laughs> this dude on Facebook. He got this post like, y'all get all this three and zero energy for Colorado. Why y'all ain't got the same energy for the Cowboys at two and zero? Like you really want to go there, man? You really comparing you really comparing Coach Prime and what he's doing to Master Jerry and them. Anyway, let me leave it alone. Anyway, number one, Colorado wins forty three to thirty five in double overtime over Colorado State. Shadur Samuel's looking like him doing button out there. Ninety eight yard touchdown drive with two minutes to go. Down eight, plus a two point conversion from a boy Shadur Sanders. With Colorado and proving the three and zero, Henry Blackburn's been getting hate mail, death threats after a nasty, just trash, dirty late hit on Travis Hunter early in the first uh, first period of the game, first quarter of the game. Um, here's the thing about the whole Dion thing, and which which bothered me so much when I was speaking with this brother on Facebook who was talking about why y'all ain't getting hype about the Cowboys. Some things are bigger than W's and L's, bigger than wins and losses, bigger than the sport and winning and all those type of things. I personally, and let's, you know, we talk about real stuff here. This is not just your typical sports show. I'm not going to separate sports and politics uh, when I talk. And if you're listening on the audio podcast, you saw the, the finger quotes. Um, there are certain things to me that I personally get excited about, and I'm, I'm going to throw a blanket out on a lot of black people how we view this whole Deion Sanders situation. College football has been dominated by white male coaches who may or may not have played the game at one time, but they've they've had this ability and this runway to go into the homes of young African-American men and sway them to the universities. And for decades, on top of decades, capitalize off of those young men, make money off of those young men, use those young men, Hugh Freeze, to get college jobs and to move from one college job to another college job, limiting those young men to do the same thing when they couldn't do the same thing. They couldn't go from school to school. They couldn't even get paid for a jersey with their number and name and likeness on it. All these type video games, all these things were getting paid off the back of a lot of mostly African-American men by white coaches who had no cultural connection to these young men. As a black man, I am excited that a Deion Sanders is coming in and changing that system. And you are a rabid fool if you believe that Deion Sanders isn't going to be getting the top high school players in the country to go to whatever school he's at going forward. And I don't care. Colorado has two very hard games. Oregon and USC are up next on their schedule. They may lose both of those games. But it's not about the wins and losses this season with with Deion Sanders. If you can't see what that man is about to do in college football, 
destroying so many years and years and decades of being of, of status quo, things being the way they are, and stepping into a whole nother thing. He's about to break, he's about to break college football. And I don't understand why people don't see that. There are people who see it, because those are some of his biggest critics. Those are the people who are rooting for him to fail. The uh people who they've we've been under the rule of Nick Saban for the last 20 years, seems seems like, where he's able to just bring in these mega classes every year. And the SEC is just, you know, every year going back and forth, some team is getting the number one class in the country. That's probably happening this year with Deion Sanders. He's probably going to get the number one recruiting class in the country. And not only high school, but uh, transfer portal. Transfer portal. And you're, you're talking about a guy who's got all the swag, all the charisma, all these celebrity players are coming. All these celebrity players are probably going to help him recruit, recruit guys going forward. He understands the transfer portal probably like no other coach understands. He understands NIL deals like no other coach is probably able to understand, probably able to broker and make deals happen for his kids that no other coach in the country will be able to do. And a lot of people are upset about that. And I don't give a damn about your freaking Cowboys, man. I really don't, I really don't man. Like, I don't care if they go undefeated win the Super Bowl. It's not as big as a cultural impact of whatever Deion Sanders' record is here in Colorado. And I, I hate to make a whole nother spill about this and take it off of the, of the field. But that's why I'm super excited about Deion Sanders. I ordered my uh, Colorado hoodie today. It'll be in the mail in a couple of days. Man, I'm excited to rock that joint. Need them shades, too. I got to get them shades, too, man. And that Roley. And I, I, I got to get that, too, man, the AP. See, I got to get all that, I need man. All the, I need this is where Deion is such a legend, man. Mm -hmm. Like, this man, the whole – the narrative before the game, obviously, was the Colorado State coach coming out and saying, mm -hmm. you know. Which I did not know was a black man. man. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> shout out. Shout out to that brother. Shout out Jay Norvell. Yeah, yeah. man. This man said, this man said, I take my glasses and my hat off because that's what my, my mama told, taught me yeah. to do. Whatever. And he, you just ain't got that swag like, like Coach no. Prime, man. And so what did, what did uh, Prime do? He comes in. He had already been working on a on a on a deal for some shades. Yeah, comes in, comes in, gives them to his players. You know that day that he gave them to his players. That's when it went public. Mm -hmm. His company made one point five million in it's sales. Over, it's over four four million now. <laughs> He's I a legend. Some. I will be finding some of those on uh, uh, Timu or uh, Wish or even Amazon, uh, but it won't be whatever they cost for real. And uh, I'll probably have Gabe wearing some on the sideline at uh, St. Dom's. Let's go. <laughs> no, before, hey, did you see that post the guy put about Kawhi Leonard was at the game, right? Yeah. And some guy said, like, Yeah, Leonard. he don't even go to Clippers yeah. game. <laughs> oh, it's man. a phenomenon, man. That dude's about to break college football. The, the, the system of college football is about to end. Like, he's about to break it. I don't understand what well, people, well, there's been black coaches before. No, nah, man. It's nah, different. nah. This ain't no old cornball Jay Norvell ass dude, man. <laughs> like this dude's about to break some shit in college football. I don't understand why people don't see this. This is about to be exciting times. I'm down for it for sure. And I know you want to move on, but here's yeah. the dope part about it. Come too. on, we to can bring, stay here to bring it back Go, to the, the field. number two is about Tiger football. You know I don't really give a damn. So we, <laughs> right. we can just keep it moving. Hey man, <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> I know you. I know you, to bring it back to the field. What's dope about it is not just the cultural impact that he's having. Uh. -huh. But they're actually a pretty damn good football team yes. too. Yes, like they're overachieving, man. They are. They're, they're, they are overachieving. Yeah. Like salute to Colorado State for making their game. Oh, it, we uh, all it was, was fire. Blowout. Yeah, <laughs> it was fire. Um, yeah, man. But uh, he's doing an amazing job, and it's about to get. It's about to get ugly. I don't care what they do the rest of the season. That dude is about to break college football. Like if you can't see that, 
you lost your mind. Like this dude, this dude had college game day in game three of his <laughs> coaching career. Colorado State. If it's against if, Colorado, if, State. if it's uh, yeah. you know, outside of when he was in for a swag school, his first his first three games, college game day. Like, what are we talking about, bro? Like, this dude's about to break some shit. Like, I don't understand why people don't see that coming. They see it coming though. They see it coming for sure. Uh, number two. Uh, the Tigers beat Navy. Uh, we did some Back to the Future uh, on the last show. Uh, no, we didn't. I said I wasn't going to do Back to the Future for this reason, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And we didn't really go there, uh, but the Tigers were up seven to nothing when we were wrapping up the last show, and they ended up winning that game. Um, enough, enough of the we would have lost this game last year. Guess what? This ain't last year. I don't care what y'all would have done last year. Y'all should have won the game. You probably should have won it more by more than what you did last time. Heading out to Missouri, who had a uh, win against, I think, top 15 at the time. Yeah, Kansas, Kansas State. State. Um, 61 yard field I, goal. I, I'd assume Missouri's about to get on that ass mm. uh, come Saturday. I don't know. Y'all, but here's here's my keys. Here are my keys to victory. Oh, Kenny, I used to write for the Tri State Defender, right? Yeah. I used to do this uh, column that was called The Four Pauls, P A W S. And it was a dope ass thing I had, and I never understood why anybody else has never done that. I thought it was dope as shit. It was Bro, somebody nobody stole that. Stuff. It, was, it was somebody did for for Tiger football, right? And the pause were um, predictions, analysis, no preview analysis, weaknesses and strengths. That's good. Mm-hmm. I it's like dope that. as hell. Yeah. But uh, here here's my analysis of the game. Here are my uh, analysis for the, the Tigers' key to victory. Uh, give the ball to Blake Watson more. Yes. <laughs> like, I, it seems like a pretty simple strategy. Yep. I think he had like 10 carries of the night. Maybe he should have got a few more of those. Mm-hmm. He's, I think he's pretty good. Almost 200 yards. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's, he's a damn good running back. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you need to give that dude the ball a little more. Mm-hmm. That might be a key to victory. That's all I got as far as uh, <laughs> the Battle of the Tigers on Saturday. Both teams 3 0. Let's see how that turns out. Number three. I'm a very I'm a I'm a man who's very homosapial. Not homosapial, homo sapien. <laughs> I'm not even it. What am You're I? You're human, man. No, what's it called when you like heterosexual. heterosexual? Yeah, I'm a very heterosexual man. Yeah, this, but with that being said, this I'm, man. But that being said, I'm not going to uh, tell you that somebody's ugly when they're not. Kelly Oubre, very attractive dude. <laughs> Big pause, man. What's up? What the hell is going on in this studio? <laughs> I'm not gonna act like Kelly Oubre is not a handsome man. He's a good looking dude. If, if Kelly Oubre came around me and my woman or whatever I'm doing, I would like feel some kind of way. I would clinch her pearls for her. Yeah, and we would leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he looks like the day. He looks like a the twi- <laughs> a, a, a black twilight vampire. Yeah, he is. He's a very alluring brother. He looked yeah, yeah. I'm sure. He, <laughs> and there was there was one time where we had uh, you know there was a Dylan Brooks for Kelly Oubre yeah, trade that's supposed to happen. The game. And we had, and we would have had Kelly Oubre and what's the dude that had the light eyes? Played for Kansas. Darrell uh, Arthur? Wayne Seldon. Yeah, oh, we would have had Wayne Seldon and Seldon. Kelly yeah. Oubre. Yeah. yeah. Yo, you, you, you and your girl wouldn't have stood a yeah. chance of those two dudes yeah. in your city. Team Mr. Still Your Girl. Oh, yeah, Team Mr. Still. Man, your girl have been wraps, curtains. But yeah, um, <laughs> Kelly Oubre, handsome dude, got tired of looking at his face uh, this summer. Uh, and then every every time anybody had to have a slow day article about free agency, they would put Kelly Oubre is the the article about guys still living free agency or guys trying to connect the guy with a team. They were trying to connect Kelly Oubre to the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Kelly Oubre is a he's a fine player. I think he averaged close to twenty points a game in a bad situation in uh, Charlotte. 
stuff just has to fit, man. There are a lot of guys every year. Um, I'll kind of give you news before it happens. There, there's going to be guys that were signed to teams this year in the offseason that when they signed them, everyone got excited about the signing. But once the season starts, that guy's going to be holding water bottles. That guy's going to have a towel. He's going to be inactive. He's going to not be going to be playing. Because a lot of times the free agency teams acquire guys and it's just not a fit for them. There's not, there not, aren't minutes for them. I'll give you an example. I don't think – what's the name is going to – I don't think uh, Cam uh, – what's his name? Um, the Lakers signed him. Uh, Christian Wood. No. No, he's going to play. Um, Cam. You know what I'm talking about, Torian man. Torian Prince. Came from Duke, played, for, played with Zion in them. Oh, Cam Reddish. Oh, Cam Reddish. I don't think Cam Reddish is going to play for them. I don't think that – He got signed by the Lakers? I think yeah. he did, right? It was a low, it was a low contract. Yeah, it's guys yeah. like that, like – it, can he play? Sure. Will he play? I doubt it. Probably not. Yeah. But every team you see, you see there's some guy that they signed in the offseason that's just going to be kind of just sitting around. I'm not saying that Kelly Oubre is that guy, but I just don't get overexcited about a lot of free agent signings. Uh, I think Philadelphia did good by getting him for the league minimum. I don't think he would fit with the Grizzlies. I don't think he's the type of guy that you want to be your starting small forward. He's uh, more handsome than Dylan Brooks, if you just want to be honest. He's He's <laughs> very inefficient. Score just like Dylan is and not as good as a defender. So I don't think he's good enough to be – I don't want Marcus Smart to, like, not play because Kelly Oubre is your starting small forward. And I'd rather kind of take a look at guys that the Grizzlies have developed. And this is just kind of what the Grizzlies do, man. They don't go after a lot of free agent signings. I may be wrong. You guys tell me in the comments if I'm wrong. But Tyus Jones is the only, like, mm -hmm. major free agent signing that yeah. this – this uh, front office is, is made – when I say major, that's not really major, but, like, the opposite of being, like, insignificant. Like, Derrick Rose is a very small whatever contract. He's not a major sign in this part of his career. But we don't have any – it's Tyus Jones. Like, he's the only guy that we've signed that mm -hmm. wasn't one of our dudes. Everything's that's, been traded. Yeah, that's just how the Grizzlies move, man. So, I never, I never expect them to go get Kelly Oubre just to kind of load up what's already loaded. And to your point, we saw Kelly Oubre on a good team at Golden State, and he didn't fit. He was a liability. He's a yeah. liability, big time. Yeah. And um, I'm not trying to knock him, but I'm just tired of looking at the dude, man. Like, I'm glad that the Brian Bottles of the world don't have to talk about him. A little insecure about it a little bit, like seeing his face all the time. Yeah, man. Want, man, get this pretty-ass dude out of here, man. Uh, <laughs> like dealing with this dude, man, for sure. Blue-face-looking ass. Sure. <laughs> But no, man, it'll be fine. That's a nice pickup for Philly. Well, it may not be. I remember when Serge Ibaka went to the Bucks. Everybody's like, oh, man, it's going to be yeah. a great pickup. Man, that dude was terrible. They got his ass up out of there because he just – all these dudes don't fit, man. Just because he's a name and you're a good team, oh, we'll, we'll put the town together. No, man, it don't always work out like that. There's no way I think Kelly Oubre would fit in here, like especially if he's not starting. Like, And he's, he's, not, he's not a fit as a starter, and I don't see how he – I don't think he wants to be coming off our bench. Anything that takes the ball out of Tyrese Maxey's hands is a bad move for me. Yeah. Like, I don't – yeah. Tyrese Maxey is that dude. Yeah. And anything that takes the ball out of his hands, and that's what yeah. Kelly Oubre does. That's what it's going to do for sure. Um, but, yeah. Shout out to him for getting signed. It just shows you, man, teams are focused around team building yeah. and roster fits across the league. Because that guy's been a free agent for the entire summer. And he signed a one-year one year league minimum deal with Philadelphia after averaging about 20 points a game last year. Like, guys who – can't fit into the system. It's not going to be an easy summer for you for sure. You got Christian that, Wood. He got the Charlotte stank on him, man. Yeah, man. Just Charlotte's a ass poverty franchise, <laughs> right. bro.
Dookie water ass team, man. But yeah, but shout out to Kevin Oubre signing a one year deal with the Philadelphia 76ers. We're about to take a break, man. We come back inside the same brain here on Anthony Sanchez. Are they keeping it vanilla because they played two bad opponents, or is it just a very basic offense? Like, will there be any creativity to this offense this year? I think that in the past game, they they have the tendency to get creative. Like, yeah. that RPO to Toski is fun, like wide open. I hate to be this guy. I'd go with the latter. I don't know if there's a lot of creativity in the run game. Yeah. Tim Cramsey hasn't shown it. It's inside zone, inside zone, inside zone, outside zone, inside zone. Inside. It just consistently... Out of the shotgun, handing a running back in between the tackles and saying go, it's it's not working. You have to switch things up and give the defense a different look. And I don't think that Tim Cramsey's shown any level of tendency to do that. And yeah, I do like the fact that they're throwing them the ball. They're giving yes. them the ball in space there. But as far as running the ball and the running schemes, they're just not they're not getting them in space. They're just ramming up the middle. Tune into On the Bluff with Christian Fowler and Gabe Kuhn. Every Tuesday at 12 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. Bluff City Media and Bluff City NIL are proud partners of Coaching for Literacy, a Memphis nonprofit using the power of sports to impact childhood literacy. When you donate to Bluff City NIL through Coaching for Literacy, your gift is 100% tax deductible. This partnership is a win, win, win. Tiger student athletes win in the NIL landscape, Coaching for Literacy wins by engaging Tiger student-athletes in this monumental cause. And most importantly, elementary students in Memphis receive support to become strong readers. To donate today, visit coachingforliteracy.org slash bluff hyphen city. And I wonder if Silverfield's time in the NFL is the reason for this, but it feels like a much more NFL style 100%. to do that as opposed to yeah. what you see a lot in college is just keep doing your thing keep putting up points i think style points really only matter if your job is on the line or you are playing a ranked opponent i think that's really the only or time. you're at a place like memphis where you have like you don't have a huge core fan base that may not be the case at all college football programs yeah but definitely in memphis where you have what a core of Wow. 25,000 ish fans that are sure. fans, and then you've got to bring in 10, 15 casual that are, you know, their number one team is somewhere else. But if you're exciting and fun, they're going to come to a Thursday night game against Navy when their team's not playing. But I think you also get that if you just win. Tune in to Tigers Untapped with TJ Willis and Trey Lasley every Wednesday at 3 p.m. on the Bluff City Media YouTube channel. All right, y'all, welcome back. Final segment of the Anthony Saints Show. Shout out to our guests again, Jarvis Harris, uh, Dr. Kenneth Robinson, United Way of the Mid-South. Great interview with those guys. Uh, make sure you guys, you know, check out the stuff United Way is doing. Like I said, I work for them. Tremendous opportunities for you to pour into the community or to get help if you need help yourself. Check those things out with United Way of the Mid-South. Uh, the Driving the Dream uh, Department is who I work for. Huge network of clients. Huge network of, of partnering uh, organizations to help people's needs. 
Also, like I said, the Trunk or Treat is coming October 21st. Check that out. Bring your kids. Bring yourself. So many things in the community uh, that are available to people. Come check out Trunk or Treat October 21st and be a part of what things that are going at United Way of the Mid-South. But inside the same brain, uh, we're going to talk about uh, my weekend. A couple things I watched on television, uh, Kenny Stubblefield. First of all, RIP to winning time. Uh, yeah, man. Getting canceled at the season two. But it ended with the Lakers losing, so I'm down with that for sure. <laughs> this, the show ended with the Lakers uh, taking that L to the Boston Celtics. Um, but inside the same brain, this weekend I witnessed two productions. One was a movie and one was a documentary. Uh, one was a movie that I watched in person. Uh, with my job, they had uh, tickets available for employees to WLOK, historic black radio station, had a black uh, black movie weekend. Uh, I want to say it was Wednesday through Sunday, black movie week or whatever. And it was just a celebration of a lot of independent short films as well as historical movies of impact uh, for the black community. They had it in different areas, Crosstown Concourse. Uh, there was one at... Um, Civil Rights Museum was the one I went to. And they were showing the movie Till, uh, which is the movie about Emmett Till. <clears throat> Emmett Till, of course, was murdered um, somewhere off of Mississippi, small town in Mississippi, Money, Mississippi. Money, Mississippi. Money, Mississippi, basically for uh, uh, giving compliments to a white woman. And the white woman... Um, Being a kid, bro. Yeah, he was just a kid. Just a kid. He was, he, was a, he was a city kid from Chicago uh, visiting his cousins in uh, Money, Mississippi, where things were a lot different. Things were different in the South. Uh, it was jacked up in Chicago, too, but not as bad as, as they were in uh, Money, Mississippi, or just in the South. Uh, you guys know the story. He was uh, kidnapped, beaten, murdered, uh, mutilated uh, by two men, and the woman basically said that he tried to assault her, which never happened. The kid was just, you know, you know, uh, respectively flirting uh, with this woman, and he lost his life uh, to, at the hands of these two men in uh, the old South. Um, you Kenny, know what's crazy, Anthony? Go ahead. That happened in 1955? Yeah, that happened like... My dad was one year old. Yeah. And it's so wild to me because like... We, we paint this picture to be something that happened just so, so, so long My ago. dad, yeah. who is still a very in shape, gets around, walks every morning, mm -hmm. does his thing. He's not an old man. Mm -hmm. My dad was alive when right. that stuff happened. And you know, my parents had me older. My mom was like 40. My dad was 43 when I was born. So they were like adults when this happened. Like they remember this, remember this. They were like probably, you know. Wow. Yeah, they they remember this. You know what I mean? And uh, I liked there, the, the things that I did like about this movie. This is going to be, this is actually something that happened. So the spoilers are a little different. But yeah. it's, spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you about the movie. Um, something I do respect about the movie is that they didn't, they didn't use a huge traumatic act and reenact it for pop value in the movie. They put the movie around what happened. They let you know what happened happened, but they didn't show you any any gruesome. They showed him being taken away, and they had some sounds of him being roughed up by the people, but nothing that really showed you what happened to him as it was happening. I was fearing that happening, and they didn't do that at all. Um, but just to see that whole thing acted out and just the gross injustice that was towards his family, his mom ended up being a civil rights activist uh, as a result of all these things. And the thing that stood out to me the most, man, was when the media came in and they took pictures and in the corner showed him showed her the body. She wanted to have an open casket funeral to show the world what they did to her son. Mm. She was not gonna hide anything. Mm. She wanted people to see him 
he was suited up. He had his favorite suit on, all these type of things on. She wanted people to see how he was mutilated by these men to the point where he wasn't even recognizable. Mm. And they said, people said, how do you even know that's your son? Look at the state he's in. Oh, man, that's that. And she said, there's some things that a mother, a mother always knows her baby. She said, I could feel his, I could feel his hairline. I could feel certain things on him to let me know that it was him. The even crevices was, of his knee. Yeah. She said, I, she said, I knew him to that point that that was, uh, it's, it's even hard to talk about, man. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I had never seen it. Shout out to WLOK and just a week worth of uh, celebrating black films that they had that I was a part of. And I was at the Civil Rights Museum, man, and I haven't been there as an adult, I don't think, in a long time, like probably 20 years. But I was like, yeah, man, I got to check this out because this this place looks, it looked incredible in there. Like, mm. I could just walk in, like, yeah, I need, I need to come here yeah. and tour. Um, but, yeah, that's the Till movie. I'm sure you guys may have seen it. I think it's on uh, Amazon. You Amazon can watch Prime. It. Yeah, whenever you want. Check that out. Uh, number two, as far as my uh, things I watched, watched this weekend – they had me and my feelings was this Kirk Franklin documentary called Father's Day. Uh, Kirk Franklin, of course, uh, was adopted by a 64-year-old lady when he was four years old. His mother had him as a teenager, and I mean a young teenager, 13, 14 years old. His mom had him, and he was raised by the 64-year-old lady. And he tells a story about, I'll give you spoilers on this too, a circumstance where he meets this man who says that he dated his mother. He meets him randomly at a funeral. And he asked the man to get a DNA check test. And the test says that this man, this random man that he saw at the funeral, was his father. And he grieved about how the man he thought was his father, mm. how that man died with them, him having his final moments with that man and him giving peace and clarity with this man. And he finds out that this new man is his father. He talked about how he confronted his uh, biological mother about this situation after 20 years, having not seen her in 20 years. And she flat out was lying, man, saying that I don't care what the DNA test is. That's not your dad. And they went and got tested again, and it came back 99.9999% again. And it's just a sad story, man. And it's just I'll pull away from the show, and I just talk about the importance of fatherhood. Uh, myself, Mr. Harris, and Dr. Robinson are heading out to uh, Nashville with a few other uh, employees of United Way to Miss South to this fatherhood conference next week. And I'm super excited about it, man, because I just want to learn. I want to learn how to be the best father I can be. A lot of people think I'm a great dad. There are areas I, I feel like I fall short, you know what I mean? And I just want to go to this thing to celebrate fatherhood and just hope I can learn something. I'm sure there's going to be some great men that are going to be there that I can glean from, man, because fatherhood is so important to, the, to these young men. You see, when you talk about crime and all these type of things, when we had Paul Young on and he talked about, Bayero Candy, Paul Young. He talked about the importance of mentoring, the importance of these young men having somebody that they can that can kind of hold them accountable, that can you know they can love them, hug them, all these type of things. Those are things that fathers are supposed to do, but so many of these young men don't have the, their fathers in their lives. And you look at Kirk Franklin, man, a guy who's one of the most successful, probably the most successful gospel artist of all time, man. No matter you know what how you're judging it, and. Um, that dude's life could have played out totally different, bro. He was raised by a 64-year-old woman when he was a little kid. You know what I mean? So he could have very well, life could have been totally different. But to see how he was robbed the opportunity to have his father is just nasty stuff, man, for sure. And I really enjoyed it. Go check that out. That is on YouTube. Kenny, you saw it as well. Did you have any thoughts on uh, on the whole Kirk Franklin thing? Yeah. Um, obviously, kind of growing up in the tradition I grew up in, mm -hmm. 
Kurt Franklin was a huge part of my early life. Yeah. Um, and never knew that story about him. Yeah, but remember that <laughs> yeah, he seemed like he had it all together, man. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, and I just I respect his vulnerability mm-hmm. um, in sharing that. Um, it was one of the most uh, real. Yeah, you know, he didn't take he didn't. I don't. He really didn't censor anything. No, in terms no. of telling his story, you know how that trauma has impacted his mm-hmm. life. And it clearly has with his son. Yeah, right? yeah. I forgot that part. Yep, like. How reconciliation between him and his son had a public, him and his son had a public fallout a few years ago. Very public yeah. fallout. Mm-hmm. And they hadn't talked. It, it, it's just crazy because, like, you look at, you, you saw in that movie, you saw in that documentary, like, real moments of healing, mm-hmm. like, immediately. Um, and obviously there's, you know, trauma has deep-rooted can take deep roots in somebody and you have to like work to dig those things out. Right. But in terms of just, you know, the, the immediate impact of reconciliation with his biological father mm. and then reconciliation with his own son yeah. was just super um, emotional right. for me. Um, it was just a, it was a really, it was a beautiful right. story, man. And I'm, I was, Anthony had me all up in my feels this weekend, man. He, you know, sent me a sent me a text saying you got to watch the Till movie. Yeah, so I did. You got to watch it. Matter of mo- fact, I, I put an ultimatum. I yeah, said, you did. "See, we ain't recording until you watch this movie to understand yeah. the nastiness of racism in the South." Yeah, I was joking, of course, but I'm glad that you did take that initiative, man. And, and as a, somebody I look at as a friend, as a brother, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to watch that, man. So you can kind of see. Why everything is about race with me? <laughs> People like to say everything about me is a race because yeah, man, that we this is the South, fam. I just I, the South. For, for me, it's just one of those things again. <laughs> going back to the Till movie, yeah, just understanding, like put it into perspective. Mm-hmm. My dad was alive mm-hmm. when this went down, yeah. like when this oh, happened. I'm about to blow your mind even more, man. You like, ready for this? Yes. All right, like I said, my parents were older. My parents are probably the age of your grandparents. My parents were 43 when I was born. Right. My dad was 43. My mom was 40. Bro, are you ready for this for real? Yeah. My parents were sharecroppers, bro. Wow. Not my grandparents. My mom and dad grew up on a, on a sharecropping situation. Sharecropping, fam, in the United States. Yeah. Not my grandparents. Now, they're old enough to be my grandparents. I will say that. But my parents told me stories of sharecropping. We're one generation removed. Right, which is basically like slavery like. And if you want to just be real, right, about it. right, because if if for those of you who don't know, sharecropping basically was like I said last week. There wasn't a care package for slaves when they were when they were free. They, yeah. they weren't given, you know, well, hey, you're gonna need this. Right. Here's everything you need to go out here and make it in society. A lot of slaves were offered to stay on the land that they had been working on as slaves. Like, hey, you could keep this land. You just gotta work it. So basically, you're still a slave. Yeah, you're, you're working the same. You 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 can't afford to do anything else. But I'm not going to force you to do it, but you can have this piece of land and live on it, raise your family here. But you're basically, yeah, you're but working you for free. But you don't own it until right. you spend a few years, however many years yeah. it may be, probably moving the goalposts the entire yeah, time. exactly. But, but it's just crazy. Like, <laughs> it is It is. Working wild. on the same land but the same master, but I just can't force you to be here. Yeah, you just go, you just. But you, you just, don't know nothing but slavery, so you don't know anything about going out and making, you know. Yeah. My parents. Yeah. Mom that's, and dad were sharecroppers, bro. That's unbelievable, man. And you, you, that's why you know people go, "Why is it about race?" Well, because this is we're literally one we're generation. We're not as far away as removing this stuff as we act like we were from 
the most vile thing this yeah. country has ever. Emmett Till happened in 1955. You would think that stuff happened in medieval times. Something off a Game of Thrones or something. Right. That sounds like it's a Game of Thrones type stuff. I mean, I understand your take on the whole like, hey, the 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 not showing the violence of what happened to Emmett mm-hmm. Till. Um, but I think there's a reality there of just the way yeah. that understanding yeah. that the way that they shared, we just tried to rough them up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you see those pictures, bro. Oh, yeah. And they, it's they like brutalized you him, man. brutalized that mm-hmm. young man. I'm just not a fan of making like black trauma into like no, horror movies, basically. No, so, I understand that. So I basically, I, I'm glad they didn't go there. I'm glad they told the story without actually showing what happened to him. Uh, I don't really, yeah, but yeah, man. But I'm, I, I respect you, brother, for checking those two things out. Uh, but yeah, man, it's another Anthony Sane show in the books for sure. Um, shout out to Jarvis Harris. Shout out to Dr. Kenneth Robinson for United Way to Mid South. Uh, yeah, what's going on? Something else is going on this week. No, Tiger football this weekend. Tiger football's this yeah. weekend. Yeah, um, Grizz's media day is coming up soon. So you know when it's time for that, that means we're about to start some preseason. Man, I'm t- yeah. so, I'm so ready. It's about to go down, man, for sure. Yep. For sure, for sure. But yeah, man, for Kenny Stubblefield behind the glass, for my man Paris Sharkey, who is not at Bible study right now. <laughs> it's on Thursdays. My man be tapping out. <laughs> I look up Paris Sharkey going to church in the yeah. middle of recording. But, yeah. I'd be, I be, I be at Battlestar producing. Like we, like hey, doing, doing the same here. thing. Just yep. like here. Yep, for sure, man. You gotta, it's it's got to be a tough situation to go from the Blood City Media studio with Anthony Sane to a Bible study. Yeah. Like, that's got to be a tough. <laughs> hey, like I'm, a, I'm, I'm trying to minister to the people, too, man. There you sure. go. There you go. But y'all might cuss a little bit and shit. But other than that, it's all good. Your pastor probably does, too, Paris. But it's all good. Hey. <laughs> But we'll see y'all next time, man, on the Anthony Sane Show, and we out. Thank you for listening to the Anthony Sane Show. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and a review wherever you download your podcasts. Also, like and subscribe to Bluff City Media's YouTube page. For comprehensive coverage of Memphis sports, head over to www.bluffcitymedia.co and find out how you can become an insider. We will see you back here next week.